So I, I think the biggest thing that I learned early on is that you have to be ready and you have to be mentally firm. And what I mean by that is logic has to rule when it comes to investing, because there's so much, especially now that social media has permeated things, you're going to get swayed by stuff that gets said online. Um, and oftentimes when everyone's saying bye, 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 you should actually be doing the opposite. You need to be thinking, saying, ah, it's a little too high. It's run up too much. Let me actually sell into that and vice versa. When everyone's panicking and Warren Buffett says it, you know, when it, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you want to start to buy versus when everyone's euphoric. So, so I think it's, it's just making sure that you are firm on why is your thesis? If you're going to invest in a stock or crypto, what is your thesis behind it? Does it stand the test of time? Revisit that thesis multiple times, you know, at least once a week if you're investing. Um, and then also just kind of be aware that that position size is what will get you into trouble. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations with entrepreneurs about how they find opportunities, build companies, and overcome failure. I'm your host, Rebecca White, and I'm excited today to talk with Gareth Soloway. With over 20 years of experience, Gareth has dedicated himself to mastering technical charts and developing proprietary trading tactics, specifically in day and swing trading in the financial and cryptocurrency markets. His goal is to help everyday investors outperform hedge funds and Wall Street traders. Listen in to learn how he turned his passion into a remarkable business. And yes, we will dig in together a few trading secrets along the way. Gareth, thank you for joining me on The In Factor today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for the invite and having me on. Yeah, so it's always exciting for me when I get to interview Tampa-based companies because I'm here located at the University of Tampa and an educator there. And you are an entrepreneur um, in, in the investment space, but uh, tell us a little bit about your business. I know about 16 years ago, you started In The Money Stocks and yes. uh, then more recently, Verified Investing. And you've become uh, quite the celebrity with a great success rate uh, in day and swing trading. And so I'm just really curious, can you tell us a little bit about your companies um, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So so in the money stocks, we started in 2007 and it's, it's a long time ago now, but um, it was kind of just started. We had no money or very little money at that point. We kind of just put it together on GoDaddy. We built our own website and, and we kind of just jumped in. And I think as entrepreneurs go, that's important to recognize is that, you know, because you don't know if your ideas are going to work, right? And there's, you have to be ready to fall on your face many, many times. You don't want to invest a ton of money just in case it doesn't work out. And the key is as your business builds, you then reinvest that money. And so, so for me, it's, it was about, you know, I had started to learn how to trade, day trade and swing trade, um, much shorter terms than shorter term trading than investing. And it was going well. I was starting to get the hang of it. And I wanted to kind of share that knowledge and help others kind of understand how to swing trade and day trade the market, essentially taking the ability into your hands instead of that long-term investing strategy where you just buy and hold, be more active, an active manager for yourself. So so that was in the money stocks.com in 2007. And then in 2021, we launched Verified Investing, which was initially more about crypto. And now it's expanding into education as well. 
Yeah, I see that you're an educator. I, you know, I took a look at your sites and uh, did a little bit of research. And you started, um, you started your business in the money stocks with uh, a partner, right, Nick yes. Santiago? Yeah, Nick now, Santiago. Uh -huh. Yeah. Now, did you start that company here in Tampa? But I, I think I saw that you went to school up in New York. So yes. So so originally we're we're all from New York. Brian is another owner of In the Money Stocks, and and Nick as well. And we all kind of met out of the same office, out of the same prop firm. I mean, going back to my beginnings, it was it was you know I started learning about trading. I didn't know anything about investing until I was late in high school, and then it was a matter of you know how do I how do I get a, something on my resume for college? You know, like basically padding that resume to get into college. And there was the investment club. And I said, oh, let me try this, you know, and, and it happened to be in the late nineties when the dot-com bubble was, was going nuts, much yeah. like crypto last year was. And it was very addicting to someone who didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of money early on in my career or in my, in my life. And so to see, even though it was fake money at the time, right, it was just a play account. It was addicting. And I said, I have to do this. So I went to school and after school, I worked for Met life and the financial planning area, but I hated it. I was cold calling. I mean, I was low man on the totem pole. Um, and I quit that after one year and I said, all right, I saved $10,000. Now I'm going to go trade for myself. So I went to a prop firm where they give you leverage, right? So they gave me about five to one. And um, that's where I met Nick. He came in the same office and Brian. And uh, and after trading together for a couple of years, we, we then decided, all right, this is it. Let's start uh, a company and try to help people do this. Yeah. You know, I was just in class this morning, actually, and I was telling my students that whatever they start is going to be a combination of who they know, what mm -hmm. they know, and who they are. So it sounds like you got you, you got the investing bug, and it became yeah. something you were passionate about, and you and Nick were able to turn that into a business. And I, you know, I'm really interested about this whole entrepreneurial mindset thing. Did, did, did your parents support this idea of being an entrepreneur? Is this something that, you know, you had role models, or was this just like, um, you know, you didn't go... You didn't stay on Wall Street investing with the big firms. You went out on your own and did something different. So where no, did that come from? Yeah, so that and that's a really interesting question. So so both my parents were teachers. So the the teaching aspect was always in me, I think, from them. Um now the the kind of entrepreneurial side came from my grandmother, right? And my grandmother, she was always someone who loved to do little things on the side. She would start a little you know, a jewelry business and make little jewelry things and she'd she was always at the um at the yard sales, the garage sales, looking for like antiques that, that might be worth more. And so I think that's kind of where it all came from. And, and she got me started on basketball and baseball cards. And I would sit every month looking at the price guide, you know, did my cards go up or down in value and kind of thinking like that. And she was always, you know, ready. Like I could come up with any idea. I still remember vividly. It was like kind of probably high school. And I was like, um, you know, you know, grandma, I really think these swords are cool, you know? And she's like, Oh, go pick out a couple. So and like looking back on it, I didn't end up doing it, but looking back on it, I'm like, I'm not sure if that was a good idea to encourage <laughs> that one. But, but, um, but it was, that was her mindset. Her mindset was always that kind of entrepreneurial mindset. And I think that's really what got into me uh, early on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that willingness to take on risk, but understanding the whole goal, uh, uh, along the entrepreneurial journey is how do you minimize that risk? Right. That's, Which that's is, what it is. And, and, yeah. and I mean, you know, the amounts, and I always say this to people, cause I think there's this thought like, oh, I'll become an entrepreneur. I'll start a business and, and I'll just make millions. And the answer is that it, it's never that easy. Right. And, and you have to come into it 
being defensive and understanding the risks and what are you willing to risk and and how much effort you're going to have to put in because I think that's that's something that people don't understand. I mean, I've lived and breathed this business since 07 and I mean, even on vacation, I still work. Like there's never been a vacation where I put away my computer. So yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a family business. So I, I knew that story. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we came home from vacations before. So, but, but uh, it does teach you a lot and we don't mm -hmm. know we're learning it. We don't even know to put the word entrepreneur on it uh, a lot of times right. until we're actually there. So I, I'm, I'm very curious. I love, uh, you've built your business on innovation. Mm -hmm. Because you came out and you wanted, I think, to do something different and you wanted to give the average person some tools that they could use and you wanted to give them information. And I love you've built your business on information and building your brand around that and sharing that. And and you've been really successful, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 80 percent, I think, with day and swing trading yeah. is what I read. Right. So, uh, you know, you've had that you've added value there, which is also really important. So talk to us a little bit about that journey uh, the technology has changed dramatically since 2007. How did you know, you know, how did you figure this out along the way? I mean, what, you know, what does it take to do this? Yeah. I mean, I, I think for the most part, it's, it's about, you know, looking at, at what the audience wants, right? Whatever your clientele wants and kind of saying, okay, well, you know, these are my specialties. These are my niches. And now, cause that, can I translate that over to them? Is there, is there basically a marketplace for the knowledge that I have and, and in investing, that's what it is, right? I mean, there's always new investors, new people growing up and, and getting money and they want to figure out how can I make this money grow? Um, and, and in my business, it's, it's relatively quickly. And so I think that's really where it comes in. And I still remember, like, I mean, a lot of it was education wise, but then you have to start to recognize that your clientele, okay, well, they all don't have, you know, unlimited amounts of time to sit at home and just learn how to trade. So then you start, a, you know, I started a service called Verified Investing Alerts, where I would actually give out trade signals so they could actually just piggyback off those signals. And it's just recognizing these little niches um, that people want and delivering a product that I'm able to uh, within that niche. So how do you find out what they want? Like what, what kind what, how do you, how do you listen to and communicate with your customers? Yeah, so I think a lot of it is in we. I have a live trading room, so we have we have traders that log in every day. Um, they listen to me over a microphone. They see my screen. It's screen share. I show them charts. They're constantly asking questions. So I get tons of amazing feedback from there. We have about seven hundred people in there, so you can imagine that you know we're getting all these commentary uh, aspects from you know oh could you do this? Could you go over this? I would it would really be helpful to kind of you know give me this or, or help me do this. And and I think that's really where it comes from. Um, and then it's also like looking at your own trading journey, right? What they're going through is everything that I went through early on in my career, which was, you know, having losing trades and, you know, blowing up my account multiple times and, and understanding what they're going through and trying to help them avoid, you know, there's, there's no such thing in trading as like, you're not going to, you're going to make a mistake. You know, it's, it's that, can you make less mistakes? And that's always been my goal is like, all right, I made a ton of mistakes can I help people just make less than I did? And then they should be able to do much better, quicker than I did. Yeah, I think you're getting to the heart of what it means to be an entrepreneur, and that is to bring value That's to right. somebody else. And so, you know, you can come up with all kinds of great ideas and what you think is an opportunity, but until you're bringing value, you're really not, you're really not providing something that's going to 
turn. And into. I think one of the things to just point out too is like you know there's there's always products to create, right? And and I've always you know I, I've always been an entrepreneur in that sense of like I'm always thinking up like the next gadget to create. But you have to stay within kind of that lane of saying number one, how much money is going to have to be invested. So you could come up with this amazing technological innovative thing, but you either have to go out and raise capital to get that built, or you have to lay it out yourself. The beautiful thing about what I did was that it was all knowledge-based. So I didn't have to lay out a ton of money. It was just using something that I, I knew to help people and finding out that they were willing to pay me for that. Yeah, yeah. But you did turn your service into products, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think can be, because when I work with entrepreneurs who are trying to understand a service business, when you start turning it into products and giving it names, then you can start building brands around it, right? That's right. That's yeah, right. You, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, and then that's that's what we did with the education, right? So so we, ha we have services where I'm giving them information and daily videos and trade setups. But then the, the idea was that, okay, well, people are loving this. And then there's always going to be a percentage of, of people that want to take that next step. And it's saying, okay, well, they're willing to spend more money to learn more of your knowledge, to really become experts. And so it was a matter of saying, okay, well, let me start to record all this knowledge that I have into a product, into a, into a, like a course, and then allowing people to purchase that and study it on their own time. And, and I think that's what you mean probably about a product, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many opportunities to do that now, you know, we've democratized really education in a, in a whole different way. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to learn something, you can turn on YouTube now, and learn just about anything. So, um, you know, you've, you've used a lot of, uh, over these decades of experience in trading, you've used a lot of unique strategies. I think I read about the confirmation signal and the three-tail theory mm -hmm. and river something, river, river uh, theory. Yeah. River mm -hmm. theory. So can you share, tell us a little bit about, um, share a little example of some of that and how that works. I mean, any of those have they, you know, how that might have an impact and what, what, uh, somebody can expect if they're learning one of those. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll do the confirmation theory or, or the confirmation signal because it's it's really unique and it's probably helped me the most. Um, it was something that it, over time I just saw in the charts when this happens that there's a resulting move. And, and in this case, the confirmation signal basically tells you that it's either a true breakout above a trend line or a breakdown or it's a fake out. And a lot of people get kind of whipped out. And a good example of this was when Bitcoin, if you knew this signal, when Bitcoin was at $69,000 in late 2021, it had never actually confirmed using that signal above the previous high. And so for me, it was saying, okay, well, I know that this could still be a fake breakout, so don't trust it. While everyone else was kind of on that on that loop of saying, oh, we're going to go to 100,000. I was sitting there saying, guys, I don't think this is a breakout. And it was that confirmation signal that told me that to be very, very wary about it. So so that was a, one of the great examples of that working where, again, it just told me it was, a, it was a, at that point, it was a fake out and to be ready for a move to the downside. Yeah. So that's, that's really fascinating. So you actually... Once again, as you develop these new theories, they come out of your experience. That's and right. so experiencing your trading and, and your own uh, investing and working with others, you're, you're developing all of these theories that over time have given you this expertise. How about building your brand? What's that been like? And, you know, have you always been comfortable? You do a lot of speaking. You've got your YouTube channels and you do education. Um, how did you develop your brand? 
Yeah, it's a great, great question. So early on in in the first, like, let's say even the first 10 years of in the money stocks, I really shied away from, you know, it wasn't part of our plan to get me on a lot of speaking roles. Um, I did a little bit here and there It was a lot of my partner doing it. Um, And then finally, at a certain point, I just said, all right, listen, if we want to grow, I need to get out there and I need to start talking. And in the beginning, you know, I'm super, super nervous. You know, it's, you start to realize how many people on the internet are going to be watching you. Everyone has an opinion. We know that. So, so (laughs) all of these type of things you have to be ready to deal with. And, um, it just took some time, but it was the biggest change and biggest builder of my brand now to where, you know, in the investing space, I'm looked at as one of the top commentators, analysis drivers of crypto, of stocks. Um, And that all came from me getting the word out and speaking and speaking well and kind of making the right calls and showing people that I knew what I was talking about. And it, it really was a snowball effect of once that I, once I started to do that, it, the signups to the website, the people talking, the people requesting me to come and speak really catapulted higher. Yeah. And so you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned that you, you were uncomfortable with speaking initially. And I hear that a lot from, from students. And, and you mentioned that sometimes you get negative feedback. Uh, yeah. How did you learn to deal with that? Did, did your early years in sales help you with some of that? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? I mean, a little bit, but I was always, I was always the one trying to avoid being on the cold call and calling <laughs> versus <laughs> actually doing it. Cause I was so like, I mean, rejection is not fun for anyone. Um, but the thing, is, you know, being in social media and the more you're out there, the more you start to get that negative. I mean, there's just, it's a law of numbers, right? Is that if a million people see you, there's going to be at least a chunk that are going to have something negative to say. And it, it's just kind of understanding that it's, the, it's a, it's a law of numbers and just letting it kind of pass over. Um, and understanding that at this point in your career, you're up here and everyone, you know, no one that's above you, like you don't, you don't find Mark Cuban or like these billionaires, they're not going to be the ones attacking you. It's always someone below. And so you start to recognize that people that are attacking you are usually from the underside, not above. And you're just trying to go higher and higher and higher. And, um, yeah, I, I think that's, it, it, it did take some time. I'm not going to lie, you know, over time, those comments, right in the very beginning, it would really sit with me. And I was just like, oh, you know, I can't believe they said that. But it's it's also getting better at your craft, right? So over time, my confidence grew. The longer I did this, the more profitable I was, the more I helped people make money, the more confidence I got. And then it starts, that's really where the speaking roles just kind of rolled into it and saying, hey, I have that confidence now. Because I'll be honest with you, like the first five years at least, I felt like a fraud. Like I, I felt like I didn't deserve the success. I wasn't good enough because I was giving analysis to people that were multimillionaires, maybe even higher than that. And early on, my net worth wasn't that high. And so you feel kind of weird. Like, you know, this person that has $100 million is asking me for investment advice. Like that that's not really it. But you grow into it. And then as you become more successful, you start to accept it and own it. Yeah, I would think that's such great advice. I'm so glad that you shared that because I think so many of us, uh, well, we all walk around at various times with that imposter syndrome, like we don't deserve to be where we are. And to hear somebody who's reached some level of success say that always is very helpful, I think. And, you know, it kind of leads me into questions around mentors and role models because, you know, these things you had to learn, a lot of them on your own, you had to get knocked down and deal with on your own. But uh, did you have others who were kind of helping you along the way 
figure this I, out? I did. I did. I, I had some some family that there was a kind of a great uncle that was into trading when he was when he when like years and years ago when I was first starting and he kind of guided me a little bit. It was more small cap trading and I don't really do that anymore, but it was definitely some of that. And then it was just kind of learning and being kind of immersed in it. And and I think it's one of those things where even to this day, you know, I get home, I hang out with the kids, put the kids to bed, and then I crawl in and I'm back on my screens, right? I'm back on my charts and I'm just kind of looking over things, kind of getting more information that might help me the next day. And I think, I think it's partially the guidance of, of people, um, people that influence you. And then it's also that dedication that it comes with to, to be successful. You have to live in and breathe it in many ways, you know, and it's, by the way, it's, it's one of those things where I'm very curious if I ever do retire and I don't think I'll ever retire from investing, but I don't like, you know, you hear about basketball players, they retire and they kind of spiral out. Cause it's like, Oh, there's something missing in my life. I honestly don't know if, if, you know, how I would be if I didn't have this in my life now. Yeah. It's become so much a part of who you are. It's, it's kind of hard to separate from that. So, um, you've, uh, we talked about this earlier, you've, you've reached some impressive success rates, uh, with your swing and day trading signals. What advice would you, you know, as a mentor to others, what advice do you give about if they want to get into this kind of trading? So I, I think the biggest thing that I learned early on is that you have to be ready and you have to be mentally firm. And what I mean by that is logic has to rule when it comes to investing, because there's so much, especially now that social media has permeated things, you're going to get swayed by stuff that gets said online. Um, and oftentimes when everyone's saying, bye, 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 you should actually be doing the opposite. You need to be thinking, saying, ah, it's a little too high. It's run up too much. Let me actually sell into that and vice versa. When everyone's panicking, and Warren Buffett says it, you know, when it, when there's blood in the streets, that's when you want to start to buy versus when everyone's euphoric. So, so I think it's, it's just making sure that you are firm on why is your thesis. If you're going to invest in a stock or crypto, what is your thesis behind it? Does it stand the test of time? Revisit that thesis multiple times, you know, at least once a week if you're investing. Um, and then also just kind of be aware that that position size is what will get you into trouble. Meaning like as soon as I started doing smaller position size, meaning putting less money into an investment, the more clearly I could think about it, the more money you put in, the more emotional you get. Every little move is like, oh my God, I can't, you know, up up 5,000, down 5,000. So, you you know, I started making more money when I actually started investing individually in less, less money into each thing hmm. because I could start really following the facts and not getting swayed by the emotion of things. Yeah, that that's, I think that's really important. And especially, uh, you know, right now there's so much uncertainty in, in mm -hmm. the world and in the markets and, um, you know, I, how do you deal with, with uncertainty? I mean, how do you think about it today? What we're facing today? Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's levels of, of how deep we go into this type of stuff. I mean, I am concerned. Um, I take it on a very much day-to-day -day basis, at least with investing. Um, because I think if you think out too far, and this has been a problem of mine is that you tend to see the big collapse coming and you invest too early and then you get hammered, you know, let's say I'm shorting the markets and you get hammered as it continues to go up. So it's, it's the shorter timeframes and it's really being focused for me on the charts. The charts are the purest form of honesty. Like a chart is a chart. It has no bias. It is what it is. And that's price action. And so that really guides me in what I do. So I, I think those are some keys there. Um, but it's, uh, 
the one thing it is, and I'll just take, I'll tell everyone out there listening is that there's no perfect remedy. You're never going to be a hundred percent. And as an investor, even after 24 plus years from me, I still make mistakes. It's just, I make less mistakes and I manage them a lot better, which enables me to grow my wealth faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tried and true, right? Principles yeah. that have been with us for a long time. So, uh, you know, when you think of, when, if you think about this as a career and moving into a trading career, what would you recommend starting trading yourself? And, and, <laughs> you know, what do you do? How do you get into a career like this? If anybody listening is interested? So I, I think for, for me, I would recommend, you know, dabbling, but doing it small initially. Like there's no one out there. I don't know how much you're going to learn from me or from anyone else, but you will lose in the beginning. You know, it's, it's people always say, well, you know, you know, what if I lose a 10,000 or 20 or 50,000 or even a, I, I know people that lost way more than a hundred thousand learning to trade. As long as you continue to learn from your mistakes, it's the same as if you're paying for a degree and then you're going into being a doctor. I mean, there's there's so many, every profession that you become well-versed in that you're going to make a lot of money in, you're going to have to pay for education one way or the other. The question is, do you want to pay to learn it from a, someone who knows what they're doing? Do you want the market to teach you? It's usually the more expensive option. <laughs> um, but but you're, you're, you should go into it expecting. You're not going to make a million dollars overnight. And if you do, that's luck. And it's actually the worst scenario because you kind of learn a bad habit. Um, it's slow and steady really does win the race in this game. And, uh, you know, just, just go in, learn as much as you can and trade small so that you lose small. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good advice. Now, how about crypto for any of our listeners who want to get involved in crypto? And, and I guess before we get to that, you start, that's verified investing, right? Is, is it more about yep. the crypto space? Yeah. It's, so, I have a service there called verified investing crypto, and that's crypto, just crypto okay. analysis and trade setups from there. Right. And then it's, it's kind of the idea with that company is eventually it's going to branch into all things, including we're doing education there now as well. But yeah, yeah, predominantly that's that's the crypto service. So so take me back to when you first started hearing about and thinking about crypto and and when was that and how did you make the decision to get involved in that space? Yeah, so for me, I, I kind of learned about Bitcoin. I think it was 2011 or so, and and you know, for me, it was I was always concerned. Once you you know get involved in the markets and you get involved in everything going on, you start to pay attention to economic news and and what the the, the budget deficit is and all these different things that can affect the economy. And it was always a concern of mine early on that it just seemed like you know we were spending money that we didn't have. That eventually there was you know you know just like you or me. If we run up credit card debt indefinitely, eventually we're going to get cut off. Like there's a point where it's not going to flow anymore. And so, yep. so that was always, that got me interested early on. I still remember vividly, you know, watching Bitcoin dip below, I think a thousand at one point. And I was like, I was so ready to buy and I didn't get my entry. And I'm like, now looking back on it, you know, what can you do? But um, <laughs> that was really the idea for me. Crypto has, has always been about an alternative to the dollar, almost like a digital gold, somewhere where you can protect your wealth. Um, now, there's a lot of other cryptocurrencies out there that supposedly serve a purpose, but I'm generally, I generally shy away from those because just like stocks, you don't know which ones will succeed in the long term. So there's much higher risk in those. Um, for me, when I do my investing, it's mostly focused on Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then I do dabble on swing trading with kind of the top 20 or so 
out there. But I mean, Bitcoin, I, I, I'm a huge bull on Bitcoin long term. I still think it's going lower before it goes up. But the need for it has only increased as the deficit, the U.S. deficit has gone up. I mean, you look at Japan, 250% GDP, uh, debt to GDP. China's not much difference. I mean, we are swimming in a world of debt, and there will be a point where that's unsustainable. A day of reckoning, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, so I'm really curious about about your thoughts about Bitcoin and kind of where we're headed. You know, there's so much still. I mean, fiat is. You know, there's a lot of questions about where we're going to end up in mm -hmm. 15, 20 years. You know, what what are your thoughts about that? What about the, um, you know, the the whole blockchain piece and and security and what that means for you know us in future. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, the blockchain stuff is is absolutely going to continue to be a huge part. And you're seeing more and more companies adopt the blockchain in terms of using it for their products and tracking. And that's the amazing thing about it. I still remember early on, crypto was kind of the way to hide transactions. And then we eventually found out that it's actually more transparent than anything because exactly. you can track everything on the blockchain. <laughs> so so that was kind of interesting. And then and then I think like for me, it's it's saying you know, with what is going on with with money printing and everything like that, it's it's really saying, well, Bitcoin is only twenty. There's only twenty one million coins that can ever be minted, and the key is the adoption of it, right? As a digital gold. So what we've been seeing lately is more and more big companies, um, big institutions starting to say, hey, I want to launch this spot ETF. I want to adopt Bitcoin. I want to buy Bitcoin. Um, and that's what you have to see for it to be a feasible, long-term accepted store of value. And so I'm very bullish on, on the recent news on it. Even though price has not gone up, that's because we're in a bear market. And, and bear markets are determined by emotion, not because of fundamentals, right? Fundamentals are where it goes long-term. Short-term, it's ruled by emotion, and that's where we are right now. But long-term, the building blocks for crypto and specifically Bitcoin continue to be laid. And um, I, I really do believe that it will hit 100K in the next five years or so, and I think it will go higher than that as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so where where do you think the United States is going to stand in all this? I mean, yeah. you know, are we going to come out a leader or not? Or do you even want to comment on that? <laughs> because yeah, I, I don't mind commenting on it. Yeah, I, I think that I, I think that eventually we get through this. It's it's annoying how long it's taking. To be honest, like if we could get and I said this even like a year ago. Give us regulation so I know what the rules are that I can, so I can play the game properly. And then I think it's off to the moon. It's just when you have this uncertainty, it really keeps the big money out. Like big money's not going to invest if they don't know the rules of the game. They can't, right? They have fiduciary responsibilities to their customers, their clients. Um, and so it, it, the faster we get regulation, the better, the more drawn out, the worse it is. Um, but I think eventually we will. And then I do think the US becomes a hub for crypto. I, I know everyone's thinking about, oh, they're chasing crypto out, but the US still is the best innovator in the world. And I think once we have the rules, there will be some amazing innovations in the world. I think the big question is who's going to make those rules? I know. <laughs> I agree. That's uh, that's one of the big challenges, but but I I agree with you. If if um, when I'm talking to my students or I'm talking to other uh, young people that might be interested in the crypto space and blockchain, and as you pointed out, there's so many opportunities in blockchain. What kinds of what kinds of entrepreneurial opportunities do you see there? 
Oh my goodness. I mean, there's more than even I could imagine. And and just to be fair, you know, my knowledge of like web three and even in, in, in further getting involved is relatively limited. Like I, I mostly have paid attention to crypto because of trading reasons, right? So I'm following charts. I'm looking at this. I'm, you know, I know the general basics of it, but there is some, there is going to be some fascinating innovations that come out of this, um, you know, dealing with the blockchain and dealing with web three and all this other stuff. So, so again, I don't know enough to really say, you know, here's opportunity, but I will say it's the future and there will be a ton. Like if the young people today, the knowledge that they have that I didn't even dream of back then is there. And if it's there, there are ideas that haven't been thought of. And that means there's billion dollar ideas waiting to be figured out. Yeah. You mentioned the late nineties and I was around then doing some of what I'm doing now and, and related. uh, And it was a really exciting time. And it's really interesting to see the innovations over the last several years. ChatGPT and- Oh my gosh, ChatGPT. I mean, now the crazy thing about that, right, is that it's going to be such a benefit to productivity and to people. I mean, heck, we're using it in our office already. Yep. Then you also have the negative of saying, well, how many jobs is it going to cost, right? So, So I think like this is really where technology is slowly advancing. I mean, robotics will eventually take more and more jobs as well. And, and, us as a country, us, the world itself will have to figure out how to make sure that we don't get a bigger disparity in the wealth gap. Because I do think that techno- technological innovations, that's what happens, right? People that have these menial jobs that can be done by robots or can be done by this, they're going to lose their jobs. And then the people that create this stuff, they become wealthier and wealthier. And so to me, these are huge global concerns. I don't pretend to know the answers to them, but it is something that as a society, we will have to deal with at some point and, yeah. and probably sooner than later. So many things are changing, even the way yeah. we work. Um, it's just dramatic. There's dramatic changes. I- I was just going to add one more thing, you know, so you were just mentioning about the late nineties and, and one of the most fascinating things with crypto to me is after living through the dot-com bubble and then watching the, the crypto bubble crypto. in 2021, the similarities are just spooky. Yes. So, I mean, you know, you could go back to how many commercials were played in the Super Bowl for dot-coms back in 2000 versus in the last Super Bowl last year. But just to think about it like this is that, you know, you had the dot-com collapse and during the bubble, it was all about this technology, the World Wide Web is going to change our lives. And it did. We know that. We know that now. I mean, think about phones and think about computers and everything like that. And and here we are with Bitcoin and crypto, and the same things are being said. And I do believe that's going to be the case. But one of the things for investors to realize is that doesn't mean you don't get collapses. Yes, it changed our lives in 2000 and, and, and past that, but you still had a bubble that collapsed. And my guess is that's what we're going through in crypto right now is that same thing. And then the best of breed, the top players will rise from those and they will be the new Amazons of the world, the new Googles of the world. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it, the similarities are eerie there and yeah. it's it's really fascinating to see. And it kind of leads me to a question about investing in crypto. And so with your investments in in the stock market, it's purely data and charts driven, right? I mean, you, right. you try to stay unemotional. Mm-hmm. Is that the same for crypto or do you look at the value that you know, some of these companies are trying to create. 
since well, because I'm a shorter term investor, I do keep it in the same same level of playing field, right? And and that's part of my my niche, right? Is where that's what I've done well with trading in stocks and with commodities. So I have to apply that same basis. Otherwise, I don't think I have an edge, right? The only reason anyone should be investing is if they really feel like they're seeing something that most people aren't. That's where you get disparity in price and you can actually make money. So so for me, that's my niche and that's where I stick. And I so I'm a much shorter term investor unless it's Bitcoin, which I see as like this longer term deficit printing money play. Um, but for other people, if your knowledge, like it's all about your knowledge, if you have that edge in knowledge about some sort of crypto that you think can be good, that's awesome. And I, I would say invest in it because you know more than me, for instance. And that would be somewhere where you would get an advantage over me and many other people. The only thing I would recommend is, again, don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? So just like anything, diversify because I've been wrong before. I've been wrong many times and so will everyone else be. Yeah. So you mentioned being wrong and you mentioned earlier failures and challenges. My mom always told me that if I wasn't making mistakes, I wasn't doing anything. Right. And it was quite a blessing to have that, uh, to learn that as a child, because I guess it gave me uh, you know, it gave me a little bit more confidence in taking some risks. But my question for you is about your own entrepreneurial journey to kind of go back to that. I'm sure you've had a lot of, you, you know, you've had a lot of challenges along the way. And I'm just curious about how you learned to think about failure and how you uh, deal with that, you know, because success in entrepreneurship is about executing past failure. And I guess it's probably true in investing and a lot of other things in life. So how did you build that muscle, if you will, of being able to deal with that, the down down parts. So for me, it's it's relying on what I do best with it, which is logic, right? So so I've I've had countless times in in the 17, 16, 17 years of in the money stocks.com, especially in the first five to 10 years, there were periods where things got real tough for us. And I honestly questioned whether this was a feasible business. Were we going to, you know, go out of business, for instance? Um, there were periods where I, I would have, you know, I grew my account to 100000 and I, I still remember vividly losing $70,000 of that in one single day, right? Okay. And so for me, it's, it's like kind of getting, when you get punched enough, you kind of almost get an immunity to it. But I always relied on my logic. And, I, and my logic was this. It was that, I would get up from the computer after a horrendous trade or a horrendous loss um, or anything, and I would say, okay, let's go over the, 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 the important stuff. Do I have a roof over my head? Do I have food on the table? And is my health okay? And really, especially when you're young, that's all that matters, right? I mean, you know, you have 10, 20, 30 years of work ahead of you. Pick yourself up, get back to work. You can do it. But those are the main three that, like, as long as those are covered, you can focus on work and building out again and climbing out of that hole. Yeah, that's great advice. But I have to ask you, do you have, how do you cope when you're struggling with that? I mean, everything goes back to logic, but we're all humans. So do you have routines? Do you run? Do you have people that you talk to? I mean, uh, how do you cope when when you have that bad day that, I mean, maybe you stay, maybe you stay unemotional to all your you know, team, but then when you have to deal with it later. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So there's always ways that I, that I cope. I mean, I, I love the gym, um, trying to get to whether it's orange theory or the regular gym or any of these others. I think that's a great outlet. Um, sometimes when I'm super stressed though, it's hard for me to go and get my heart rate up even more because you almost feel like there's a weight on your heart. Um, for me, weirdly, and this, I'm not necessarily recommending this, but like 
if I'm going to eat a bad meal, it's probably when I'm like stressed, you know, (laughs) you know, go get a burger and fries or something like that and sit down in front of the TV. And weirdly enough, I don't watch a ton of TV, but for me, when I watch TV, it allows my brain to kind of turn off and I can just kind of get lost in the nonsense of a TV show, whether it's Seinfeld or whether it's a drama or whatever it is. And that actually helps me as well. And so, so it's, it's finding those little ways to kind of have some downtime where your brain isn't running a million miles a minute. And, and yeah, there are, there's different ways to do it for sure. I'm not saying mine are the best though. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody has to figure out their own personality and what works, but I think it can be really helpful to know yourself well enough to know that, Hey, maybe it's time to take a break from That's all right. of this. So, you know, this is, um, this has been a great conversation. I've really loved it. And I I'm excited, uh, you know, to, to have had the chance to talk to you. I'm really curious about what's next because every company has to be thinking about what's next and, um, you're, you're developing new products and concepts all the time. So where are you headed? So believe it or not, and this is so, and it's a great, great thing to ask because I'm, I'm excited to say like for basically the first 15, 14 years, we didn't have any employees. Like literally I did everything, uh, by partner Brian did and Nick did. And we just, we just cracked down and we worked almost nonstop for 15, 16 hours a day. And recently we've finally said, okay, we're at a point where let's just start hiring and we need to be, be smarter about things, right? We, we can hire other people to do things that give us a break and I can start toning it back. And also I can focus on what I do best, which is trading, investing, doing interviews, um, which is my time best served, right? So I shouldn't be answering emails. I shouldn't be like that kind of stuff is, is kind of someone else can do that. So, so we've just hired a director, um, which is basically the CEO of this company now, and he's going to be taking it over. And he's, I've, I've, I've kind of, it's, it's hard if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, it's very hard to put your baby in someone else's hands. But I've finally gotten to that point where I am just thrilled by it. I'm like, just leave me out of all the kind of the nonsense decisions. Let me just focus on the markets and let's grow this thing big. And then maybe one day we sell it, you know? Yeah. Well, I think what you're talking about there is what's the highest and best use of your time. And you can get to a when you can, when you're an entrepreneur and you can get to the point that you can afford that, it's great to have. And uh, so that's exciting and that's fun. Well, it's, it's been great talking to you, Gareth. I always ask my guests if they had one piece of advice that they would leave with our audience, what would that be? In your case, uh, gosh, you could give us all kinds of advice. Um, and we can be watching all of your YouTube to get advice uh, as we go forward. But what would, what would it be um, for today, if you, knowing that our audience is a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and maybe aspiring traders? Yes, I, w- I would say, and again, this is a tough one, the one piece of good advice, or, or there's many as we know, but I would say that be be ready to give your all. And if you give your all, be open to adjusting your thesis as well, meaning your your ideas, right? We can all have an idea, but let it kind of go in the direction that it needs to go. And it will, there will be a general kind of growing that it does, and it'll find its niche even better that way. So be open to little little changes here and there um, and just work hard. Work hard is, is the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what you started, what you start for is probably not what it's going to end up being. So be right. open to that, but put your all into it and keep moving forward. Right. Gareth, where can our listeners find out more about you and learn from you? I know you've got all kinds of education products and, mm-hmm. and free products out there. And uh, so 
can you share some of that with us? Absolutely. So being that you have a lot of college students there, I understand the money troubles there. It's no one, not most won't have a lot of money. So follow me on, on Twitter, on YouTube. Um, and then if you get really ambitious, uh, in the money stocks.com, there's that my, my trading, my stock trading service there or verified investing is my crypto service. And those are, those are priced a hundred dollars or under a month. So it's not crazy, but, but the free ones feel free to use them. There's lots of amazing knowledge being shared on those. Gareth, thank you for joining me and thanks for all you do to educate all of us so that we can be wealthier and have a better life. Thank you so much. It was a true pleasure talking to you. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about entrepreneurship, we would love it if you hit that subscribe button. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of InFactor.